This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tercero y quince para Pittsburgh. El balón en la yarda 31 sería un gol de campo de unas 49 yardas. A pasar Piquet. Cuatro por impresión. La boya, la boya por El pase largo, el centro. Pickens. Piquet a Piquet. Piquet a Piquet. Piquet a Piquet. Es un touchdown para Pittsburgh. Repite la dosis de la hace prácticamente ruta. dos semanas. La misma ruta. Trayectoria de poste arrancando en el slot del lado derecho. Y solito. Piquet aparece en las diagonales. Jorgito. ¡Ah! ¡Qué sonrisa tienes! Espectacular. Wow, and I knew every word that you were saying there, Alvaro Martin, are from our you know, Steelers Spanish game day broadcast. And by the way, I would I, I think it's upon you that you must sing happy birthday in Espanol to Max. Oh, it's his oh, 41st birthday. Now we're talking. Come on, Alvaro. Let's put it put it together here. Let's do it. Here we go. In three, two, one. Cumpleaños feliz, te <laughs> yes. deseamos a ti. Cumpleaños Max Starks, cumpleaños feliz. Wow, oh. yeah. There we go. There we Thank go. you. Boy, you really outshined you know, Wes and me. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I sounded just like I did when I hit 40. Oh, wait a minute. Max, Max hit the fourth floor. My goodness, he's 40 years old. <laughs> yes, yes, I I am in a, a distinguished club now. Uh, <laughs> the the 40 over 40 club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a, a, AKA the survivors. <laughs> yes, exact, exactly. Yes, I'm winning the survivor pool right now. <laughs> So, young man, what have you accomplished in your life? I'm breathing, okay? I'm breathing. Yeah, exactly. Stood up this morning, could see my toes. We're good. <laughs> that's always – yeah, but that's not fair. Your your feet are so long, man. Come on. That, that is true. L- listen, listen, it's all about perspective, Wolf. I can see my toes. That's all we need to focus that's on. That's all we need to focus on, indeed. Do, does not matter that they're size 19s and they stick out like, <laughs> like boat skis. It does not matter. <laughs> Every year, every year he buys a shoe a larger size where he can keep saying that. I can see my toe. I can see the tip of my yeah, shoe. I, I, can, I can see it. I can see it. If I see it, I can believe I, it. I know I, I know that looks like the shoes of a court jester, but, you know, I can still see the tip of my shoe. Oh, exactly. I love it. Oh, yeah, love I, it. Might be, I might be exploring the northern hemisphere, but, you know, it's all good. Snowshoes are no, good I, I got to tell seasons. you, though. I got to tell you, Max has been working so hard. Max gets out of that, that – uh, you know, broadcast position and goes down to the field and then he's up again and then he's catching a flight. Then he's doing the whatchamacallit ball and then he's doing the other ball and then he's doing the playoffs. I mean, he can't, I mean, he's busy. He's, he he's hustling. He yeah. is. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't stop. And, and, and apparently because we didn't make the playoffs, I'm now still going to the playoffs because I got Jacksonville and the Chargers this weekend. Well, there you <laughs> so, go. So you're still, you're still going to be yeah. getting your air miles in. Yeah, Air Miles still fully engaged. And, of course, there is a San Francisco game, which is a lot closer. 
but apparently I'm needed on America's first coast. <laughs> so I'll be going to yeah. Jacksonville, clear across the country. <laughs> Duval. Yes, That's indeed. Right. Duval. All right, Alvaro. That's, we're putting a wrap on the season all week long here. Uh, is Mike Tom called uh, putting a bow on it? Um, is it a wrap or is it a bow? I mean, because uh, I, I, I tend to think with Mike, you got to put a bow on the end of the season. Uh, certainly, the beginning of the season wasn't so good. Well, he's got to he's got to get the the sisters first. Um, he's working his way towards wrapping and bowing, but he's going <laughs> to take his time, and he's always <laughs> taking his time, particularly with coaching decisions. They don't come quick, right? Um, so he he does take his time. I have to say that I was going to bring up that one of the points, and we're not in there, of course. It could well be the players themselves. But one of the things that strikes me about this season is some of the development of certain players. Um, again, it could have been up to them. But you get a sense, and you guys would tell me, that there was some coaching involved. Um, I mean, I'm thinking of guys that probably had career years or near career years. Cameron Sutton, Mason Cole, Pat Fryermuth. Minka Fitzpatrick, believe it or not, as good as he is, Alex Highsmith, Cam mm. Hayward. Let's not even talk about the, the youngsters. You know, we're just coming in as freshmen. They have nothing to have another another year to compare. You're looking at, at players that had either their career years, including some of the vets, or near career years. Now, maybe the team needed that for them to get to nine and eight. So they just they just put it out there because the team was desperate. But there were some new coaches in the staff, and you saw this happen. And that's very encouraging, particularly when you think the kind of 180 they did at the bye week, where I actually did the run a little, uh, just look at the numbers. And I'm not going to bore you with numbers, Craig, but out of the first eight games, <laughs> in seven of them, they attempted more passes than they had carries. Mm-hmm. In the last nine games, they had seven of them where they rushed more than they passed. So this is a 180. This is a complete change of orientation, philosophy, identity. And they did it in season. They had to. (laughs) To be honest, they had to. It wasn't working. What they had wasn't working. But they hit on the right note, and they ended up doing well. And to me, that also speaks to coaching. That's the other bit of evidence I'm going to throw in there, that some of the new names in the coaching staff – I mean, again, I have no idea if they were responsible or if the players took it upon themselves. But I'm thinking Pat Meyer. I'm thinking Grady Brown, Brian Flores, Terrell Austin in a new role, and Mike Sullivan, just to name a few. Again, they may have not done anything themselves, but you got a sense that they were involved in this whole change of orientation and settling down of roles and what Mike Tomlin calls a division of labor and the focus of what you have to do. So I think when you look at the season, that is something to note about the season. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to do that. Not a lot of teams do that. No, and the success of the running game is directly related to, again, putting getting more reps, but it's also Pat Meyer getting the hogs, doing what they're supposed to do. They were doing it. They just It takes a while, as we've been talking about. Max, from the get-go, said it's going to be six, seven, eight weeks before you understand when we were coming out of training camp where this line is going to be because it takes some time. And you couldn't have been any more spot on, Max, than you were in that moment. Well, and I think well, I mean, but 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 we've been in those moments, right, where you're the right. new guy in a in a line, or 
you're the guy accepting the new guys on your line. <clears throat> and so it, 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 it's a special amount of time that it takes for all of us to get on the same page. And so I just simply, you know, wanted to make sure that we tempered those expectations because this, the, like, of all the positions you could put out there on the football field, like O-line's the only unique one where all five have to be on the same page, right? right? You can freestyle at other positions. You can do something individually that can be spectacular and work out for the good. You can't do that as an offensive lineman. I can't say, you know what? I was going to block the DN, but you know what? This, that, that safety. I feel like if we get up to that safety, man, he could pop it all the way. So I'm not going to block this DN. I'm going to run to the safety instead. You can't do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because the quarterback's laying down, look, 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 looking at the sky, wondering why am I here right now and not looking downfield. So, you know, it takes time for that synchronicity, and everybody has to, you know, be on that same page. You have to understand it. So, I mean, for Pat Meyer and that crew to just stick with it. Um, and like I said, no injuries as well. I think that was the other thing. We kept the same lineup out there. It wasn't like we had guys rolling in and out of the lineup. Like you see a lot of teams where they're rolling through offensive linemen. Guys are on IR. You know, they stayed together. They had some bumps and bruises along the way, but nothing significant that really kept them out of the lineup from playing in games. And that's, I think, what really ended up being the true testament was the time accrued on the clock for those guys. It was the only NFL team that had the same five starters and essentially had the same crew the entire season. Everybody else had injuries and things to deal with. Fitcher was lucky that way. But again, I go back to when you made that comment, Max, you may have been the only person that was willing to bet on that offensive line. Uh, when they were two and six, I mean, how many people said, you know what, with this offensive line, we're going to bet the rest of the season. We're going to run more than we pass because we think they're built for that and they're up for that. Not a lot of people really saw that. I'm sure they saw that in the building because they made the change. But boy, it took some guts from the outside. You think, wow, that, that took some guts. What do you think? You think that was that it was that simple, that clear in your mind that that was the only way Pitcher was going to make make sort of some kind of advance, some kind of move ahead in the standings? Well, I, I think it had to be, Ovar, I think it had to be that you had to to keep hitting the grindstone because with any run game, like, you have to take those two yards, four yards, zero yards, six yards, until you finally crack the dam. And I think that was the biggest thing. It, run game is a game of repetition. Just like anything else, you've got to continually stick with it. You can't abandon it at the first sign of a negative play. Listen, Bruce Arians used to do that. B.A. would be like, all right, that was y'all shot. All right, now we're going to the air game. And you're like, oh, God, we lost a run game <laughs> yep. because of one negative play. And, you know, Matt Canada realized you got a rookie quarterback. Like, what makes a successful formula? You have to be able to run the ball. You have to be two-dimensional because that rookie quarterback is going to get overwhelmed at some point. He's going to feel the pressure, and you need to alleviate that stress and not make every big play that he's going to have to throw third and 18, third and 11. Right, You've got to get him into third and mediums, third and shorts, so you have a two-way go and you keep teams guessing to where they can't just either A, they want to load the box and now you're one-on-one, -on -one, or B, they're dropping off and like cover eight you know, and dropping eight guys and only rushing three. So you have to keep that two-dimensional personality about yourself. And, and, and the offensive line kept showing little glimpses that, hey, we're getting better about it. I'm sure Najee's saying, hey, we can run the ball. Just, just keep, just keep at it as well. And Najee, ha, ha, you know, he admitted to it. 
he wasn't the best runner. He didn't trust him early on. And he had to have that kind of kumbaya moment with them during the bye week to make sure that he was there and that they understood that they could they could trust each other. Exactly so. And the thing about the running game is <clears throat> you're never quite sure when it's going to break. You know, it you can tell, and it depends on, you know, the score and the opponent and all that thing. But one of the beautiful things about it, it's like Rocky going to the body before going to the head. You know, you soften them up, you lump them up, you marinate their ribs, body blows. And you can see it when you take over in the second half. And you see these guys getting up to their feet slowly, uh, starting to argue in the huddle. They're yelling at each other and things like that. And you know you're getting to them. You're starting to crack that rock. And all that does is it incites you more as an offensive line. The more you see the defensive guys start to, like, uh, you know, kind of, like, melt down and start to, 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 you know, question each other and all that sort of stuff, you realize you're getting to them. And that's what the beauty of the run game is. It is so wonderful when you're in those moments when you know that you are just like in the second half against the Ravens. You see back in the day, Max, your day, when you're getting after the Ravens and you're body blowing them. And I, I tell a story all the time with, with, with Heinz Ward and Chris McAllister, and he's blocking Chris McAllister, and Heinz Ward, or and McAllister says, hey, ease up. I don't want to get over and get in front of Bussy because Bussy's pal- palpitating the Ravens in the second <laughs> half. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the way it was done, man. You know, we saw it this season. We got Pittsburgh goes to Indy. They've got a Jonathan Taylor. He's fine. He's not on the injury list, and they don't use him. They start passing. Yeah, we saw it in Atlanta. They've got Cordero Patterson. He was coming back from a three-game layoff from injury. He was fine. They didn't use him. Mariota started the game by passing the ball. Then you saw Cleveland. I mean, I don't get Cleveland. All due respect. They've got a world-class stable of runners. Nick yeah. Chubb may be the best runner in the league. But what do they do? They give him about 11 carries in the first half. That's fine. Five yards a carry. And then at the end of the first half, they give up on it. Let's just he's, in the, he's on the field, but he's out there, one of the three white receivers to the right. I just don't get it. And what, what, the only explanation is that they're looking at that defense and saying, ah, we can't run. We can't do it. Not, not, not against this, these guys. And they give up on things. They don't even try things against Pittsburgh. I think part of the 7-2 and two at the end of the season was just that kind of dumb luck that the other side decided not to pursue what they could have done. <laughs> and they had a, as a great weapon. And, and, again, credit to the Pittsburgh defense, what they were doing week to week to opponents. And I think people were walking into the game thinking, I don't know if I can run against this, this, this team. I don't know if I can run against Pittsburgh. I mean, let's, just, let's just have five wide and see what we can get. I don't get that. I thought it was Baker Mayfield changing plays or sort of influencing what they were going to do. Now I think it's more Kevin Stefanski. Um, I just don't know why they went away from something that was so effective in the first half. They just went away from it. It wasn't that they were down, you know, 10 points, 14 points. At some point they were, but generally speaking, they were close when they gave up on it. Mm. But that's good. We'll take that. Pittsburgh will take that any minute now. And if it's perception that gets you to do that, great. We need all the help we can get. But the question I have for you now is when you look at that division and you still look at a potentially healthy Lamar Jackson, uh, Joey B, and then you see Deshaun Watson with a year's preparation in preseason. I mean, when you look at that division, everybody ended up, what, three and three? Uh, When you look at that division, I mean, 
do you have the horses? Do you have the confidence to say, hey, first step towards anything in the playoffs or any championship or any confetti game, I love that expression, is to yeah. simply win your division. How how will that be next year? I mean, do you walk away from the season you walk away from the season thinking we did something really extraordinary. We really did something that not a lot of people did and it just gave the team a lot of confidence and an identity really. Is that going to be enough in the NFL next year? That's my question. That's the question I'm sure that they're asking themselves in the first few days of the offseason. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right, Alvaro. It, it, it is something that when we look at the first half to the second half, the growth that was made. Because I think another thing, Alvaro, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, was this really a rebuild when you think about what the Steelers accomplished this season? I mean, can we really call this a rebuild? Do we call it a retool? Because you still finished uh, above 500. You know, you finished third in your division. But like but like all the reasons you just said, like if all things are equal, I mean, where is that big dissemination? And how? it also speaks to how good this division is um, when you stack it up against the rest of the NFL. And it's been like that since Tomlin's been in here. I mean, I don't think there's really been a lull. So, I mean, do you think – we call this a full-on rebuild, or is this just something where it just kind of retooled it? Is that Would that be a better phrase? I, I think retooling would be it, but I think reorienting would be really Ooh. what what happened there here. There we go. They went yes. away from, from a, a notion of how to win games um, within the same philosophy of trying to give the defense the biggest rest possible and the biggest lead possible to make them rest as much as they can, make them – turn the ball over, force turnovers. So that's, that philosophy hasn't changed. It's how you did that that changed. And they did it within the season. But it didn't really – I mean, they topped it. It had three points in that loss against Cincinnati, but I think they topped it 20, 28, 29 points. Is that going to be enough? Um, is TJ going to play 17 games every year the way he plays? Um, you know, you know, those are the kind of questions that they need to ask. Is this enough? Do we have enough? Do we have another step up next year in efficiency, particularly in the passing game? You would think. You I would, would believe you would that. Think. Yeah, I would believe that, right? No, because question. we already saw that growth in in just a half of a season. So those are the kind of questions. And I think when when Tomlin says, you know, I'm in the tricky business. That's the kind of tricky thing. It's how do you how do you pick out the threats that matter? in your decision-making, what really happened, the trend lines that really matter and what made those trend lines move and what is indispensable and what's dispensable. Those are very tough decisions when you have a team like that. One item that you brought up, Max, about the opponent that was really one of the keys to the Pittsburgh um, season, I think, as far as we just didn't make the playoffs, but it was just a, a really inspiring season in many ways. And that is that there are very, very, very few incidents where Pittsburgh players, you know, voiced or made clear their displeasure, um, and be to the to the that would rise to kind of an incident that you have to deal with. Speaks to the team's culture, speaks to the team's leadership. It also speaks to Mike Tomlin and what he allows and doesn't allow. Um, but this team had every ingredient to start getting pointing fingers and getting a little talky and getting a little, you know, unnamed source 
and just vent some spleen, and it largely didn't happen, by and large, in a very difficult season. That speaks to, again, leadership, culture. I think it also speaks to a sense of everybody related to the team. Everyone there knew the margin for error was negative, was zero. There was simply, you had to roll in the right direction and breathe at the right time and pull at the right time and lift the oar out of the water at the right time. There was absolutely no margin for error. And everybody played that way. That is a trait that will serve this young team well, particularly the offense. Really, the pressure they played all year. I believe it, man. I I, I really think this laid the foundation for the next generation to come because you had to navigate the loss of a Hall of Fame quarterback. And let's face it, at all, you know, Ben was the center of the universe in the Steeler world. I mean, really. I mean, let's face it. That's the way it is. If you are that t- caliber quarterback, and he is, you know, that's that's a tough one to supplant, to replace, to come along and have a leader capable of delivering the mail such as like Ben did for so many years. So I think we got our man. I think they've got, uh, you know, a lot of progress was made this year. But, you know, I look forward to what, what will be next year. I mean, you got a lot of young people coming along making big plays down the stretch. And there was none bigger than George Pickens and Cam Hayward. And, you know, the the, the, the young guys were just out there doing stuff that, by golly, that's the new blood that you need. And you have the, the philosophy at the end of Ben's career is let's try to bring some free agents uh, to pluck some holes. And uh, it's just so we can extend the window and see where we can go with, with what's left of, of Ben's career the new regime, which, again, the presence of new people on top would make some people jumpy in a team, didn't matter. It didn't have an effect at all. Everybody just focused on their, on their business. But also now we have a, a team that has players that the team can build upon. In other words, players that are young in the rookie contracts, which are inexpensive contracts, and that maybe in the past the team may have said, eh, you know, let's get someone a little bit more veteran here, a free agent. Now the team may be saying, you know what, we're sticking with the young ones. We're sticking with the young ones, and we're going to bring free agents judiciously in certain areas. But I think we're going to focus on developing our own. I mean, you'll see Mark Robinson, who at the very end of the season showed up, DeMarco Leal, those players, Jalen Warren. I mean, that's developing. It's talent, obviously. I don't want to minimize what they, the, the guys did. But think about but this, that, too. Think about this, too. While you're retooling, when was the last time the Steelers came away with two first-round draft picks? Oof. You know, I mean, that that generally that happens when you've crashed the season, you know, when things yeah. go downhill really bad, um, and it didn't. And this is a rebounding team with some draft capital, with some – Good young people coming on. My goodness. I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm kind of excited about next year. If you develop your own and they and they show that development, then you don't have to worry about bringing anybody in at, at a big ticket, at a big price. And that changes the dynamic of the team as well. So I think one of the most encouraging things about this season is development. Development, again, I don't want to, I don't know enough to know if it's the coaching or the players or both or a combination. I don't know where the, line would be drawn but this team now has, a, has also the confidence of plugging a player 
and knowing whoever you were coming in here, we're going to make you better and you will be better. And that is unbelievable. That really helps the team build. Uh, you don't have to worry about free agency. You don't have to worry about bringing people from outside. Uh, that is a significant 180, I think, that happened this season. And that's going to really bode well for team construction in the future because you've got some big contracts on that team and justifiably so. But at this point, you need to grab people, plug them, develop them, trust them, and then watch them grow. And that's what's happened this year. It's, it's great. I mean, to see backups become starters, right. to see people that, that, that yeah. believe that you are a backup and they prove at the end of the season, no, I am a starter, that's great. Every team wants that. And Pisser had a whole bunch of stories like that this year. Absolutely. Alvaro, thank you so much. Thank you for the thank entire you, year. We appreciate you. We're going to miss Alvaro. seeing you. Yes, all of us here, we thank you for being a part of the locker room, brother. Oh, listen, it's been my pleasure, my honor, and uh, just enjoy the offseason. And, and, Max, take it easy. It's your 40th birthday, okay? Take it easy now. <laughs> it, yeah, I know, I know. Listen, I'm, I'm actually going to go shopping for uh, those the four-way walkers and get the little tennis balls on the bottom just to make sure I'm sturdy and get some new balances and some – and maybe even some compression socks. I don't know. You know, there's not enough time in the day. <laughs> Thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Thanks, Alvaro. Take Thank care. You. Thank you, guys. All Thanks. Right, Great job. Oh, man. That was the tremendous and, and ever so conversive Alvaro Martin. Yes. Who is the play-by-play for a Spanish broadcast of the Steelers games. It's always great talking to Alvaro. It is. It is. Yeah. It's always, you know, you know it's game day when you see him and, and, and Arturo, uh, and we usually are in the lobby around the same time heading over to the game, so it's good to see those guys. <laughs> hey, All right, hey well, real, real quick yeah, uh, before yeah. you throw at the break, a thank you as well, too. You know, I, I like to take the credit for the production side of this, but – you know, it was our it was our fearless leader on the Steelers side of things, uh, Regan Barubi, who was the one who said to, "Hey, you know what? What do you think about having Alvaro on the show with those guys?" Oh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. so, so thanks to Regan as well too for suggesting that idea earlier in the season because uh, I think you guys will agree that's that's been one of our best segments every week. We love it. Absolutely oh, love it. We love it. Yeah, Alvaro, and Alvaro's great too. You know, it's always great not only to have a a, a weekly guest, but then a weekly guest that's so great like Alvaro. That has that, that adds so much commentary, which is which is always And he's nice. multilingual. I can't even speak English for exactly. crying out loud. <laughs> I've already had a bilingual birthday. You know what I'm saying? On one show. Absolutely. Got birthday happy birthday saying to me in two different languages. This is awesome. All right, Wes, <laughs> uh, your job during the break is learn French. I need you to learn French so we can <laughs> oui, oui. get the trifecta going. Yeah, there we go. All right, we're gonna step aside while well, Wes takes a Rosetta Stone class, and we'll be back here in the locker room here on SNR and ESPN Radio.